Hello, everybody, and welcome. As we continue on the study we're doing uh, through the New Testament, and actually right now we're working through the book of Luke, one chapter at a time, and we are in Luke chapter 18 this week. Um, I think you will enjoy this chapter, lots of neat stuff in there, and to me the chapter is really all about perspective. It's about how we look at things. And uh, sort of getting a picture of... I mean, sometimes I think, here's what happens. We, we have this idea of how we think God should operate, and, and then it's never right. <laughs> and, and we have to get rid of that idea in order to really understand what the relationship with God is all about. Because um, the moment we think we've got him figured out, we, we don't, and he does something completely different. And uh, I love in Jesus how he was always, like, doing the opposite of what the disciples expected. Because they were so entrenched in their, in their view of things and in the, the box that they had got in that, that when Jesus was undoing it all, they would often be shocked at, at the things that he would say and do. And uh, it still works 2,000 years later because we, again, like I've said all along, we have this tendency to be sort of pharisaical, and God always wants to shake that up, or else we miss people. And um, we've looked in this study of Luke, one of the things that has been primary is, is that God values people. The, the people are the prize for God. He cares about people. And that the problem with most uh, sort of uh, like the Pharisees and their, their, their concept of, of religion is that people get left out. It's not about people. It's about following rules and regulations. And in the process, they miss the heart of God, they miss the love of God, and they miss people. And so Jesus is trying to straighten all that out in the time that he has. And we've, through the book of Luke, we've seen how uh, the other sort of concept that's been running all along is people have to choose. And that Jesus is telling the folks, you have to choose to follow me, it's, or you're going to choose not to follow me, but those are the two choices. And the disciples have made their choice, and it's very clear, and Jesus is spending most of the time teaching his disciples, but there's still other people around that are sort of on the fence, and then there's the Pharisees who have, have absolutely gone in the other direction. And they're just looking to trap Jesus to the point where they can eventually have him arrested and killed, which is their answer. Very loving sort of situation, wouldn't you think? But, see, that's the, that's the deal, is that um, uh, misplaced zeal can move in very bad directions if people aren't the focus. And loving people with God's love has to be the focus. And so, in Luke 18... Um, we're going to see some illustrations that Jesus gives. And, and Luke puts them together, I think, in a really neat way, because to me, each of the illustrations that we're going to look at has to do with the way that we look at things or the way that we see things. And that um, apart from Jesus, we are spiritually blind, and yet in Jesus we can be healed from that and begin to see. And that's the, the flow of the chapter, and you'll see how that all fits as we look through um, these things together. But let's go ahead and read it first, and then I want to talk about a few things uh, in our time together. So Luke 18 is where we're at, uh, 43 verses, beginning in verse 1. And there, it's there in your notes, or you can open your Bibles. I'm reading out of the NIV, so if you have a different version, obviously it'll be a little different. Let me take the fingerprints off of these. 
Okay, here we go. Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Nice guy. <laughs> I, I don't recommend you use that prayer. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Bless you. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. 
And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you, Lord? What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want, you to, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, um, as I talked about in the introduction, these illustrations uh, are put in such a way to help us to see God more clearly. And to understand that we often... um, get confused when it comes to what uh, the way we think that God's going to do things and we have this sort of set thing in all of us and that it's often not right. And so um, you'll see that in different ways through some of these illustrations. Now in the first uh, ten verses of Luke 18 uh, he's, he starts by talking about prayer and uh, Jesus is talking about prayer. And it's an interesting story really of a judge who um, uh, twice in the story it's mentioned, once he says it and once it's said about him, which is kind of interesting, that he doesn't care about God or about people. Nice guy. Everybody's friend, right? These are the, yeah, okay. So, here's it, and he's the judge, all right? He's the one that's calling the shots. And this woman has an adversary and she wants justice, which is reasonable and it's something that the judge should do, but because he doesn't care about God or about people, he's just choosing not to do it. It's a, It's an arbitrary mean, I don't care decision. That's why he's not involved. And so her response is that she just keeps bugging him. She won't let it go. She keeps coming after him and coming after him and coming after him. And finally, in frustration, he goes, you know what? I just don't want to be bothered anymore. I'm going to go ahead and take care of the situation for her. That's the the picture that Jesus presents. Now, what you need to know that this is in direct contrast to what God is like. Um, he's, he's setting uh, up at a complete opposite because, um, unlike the unjust judge, God is very just and he really cares about people. That's been Luke's point throughout this whole thing. God cares about people. And yet, it's a story of perseverance in prayer and why it's important to persevere. Because sometimes what happens is our thinking gets messed up in prayer generally along these lines and see if any of this applies to you. We pray and nothing happens sometimes. We prayed about something specific and nothing happened or it got worse or whatever. And, and we begin, because we, we didn't see answers the way we expected to, to ask questions. And the questions we tend to ask are, is God listening? Did he hear me? Does he care at all? And one of the problems that happens is when we start thinking like that, see, because that's our, see, that's our limited, finite thinking. Because if, if somebody were to ask us to do something, it would be pretty simple. We'd either do it or we wouldn't do it normally. That's, and we figure that's what God ought to do. We asked and he ought to do it because he's God. And if he doesn't do it, we start these questions. Well, he, maybe he's not listening or maybe he doesn't care. And, and at times then we get discouraged. And one of the things that happens when we get discouraged, you know this, is that we stop praying. You ever experienced any of that? 
You prayed, nothing happened, so, uh, well, God just doesn't care. It's just not a big deal to God or whatever. Or, the other thing that we start thinking of, and again, this is because we don't see quite right, is that we often think, well, what am I doing wrong? Why is it God's not answering? So I, it must be something I'm doing wrong. Maybe he's punishing me or maybe there's something in my life. You know, there shouldn't be. And this is the reason that prayer isn't being answered. But, but see, what you need to know is that what the, the concept of the story is, it's to get our attention off of us and onto God. And, and that you have to know the character and nature of God, that God is for you and that God cares about you. And, and he doesn't ever get bothered by us. Okay, so, so that's not the point of the story. Uh, and we think we can bother God into doing something. He's, he loves the, you, you being around. If a prayer is taking a while to be answered, it doesn't mean that God hasn't heard and that God's not doing something about it. It just means that there's other things that you can't see that are, that are being taken care of along the way. God never doesn't care. So you have to just sort of wipe that out in the process. When we cry out to God, He hears and He's moving and He's acting. And we may not see in the immediate what He's doing or what He will do, but you can know that He's involved. You can know. The moment you pray, you need to know because of the heart and the character of God for you, He's in it. He's in it. But it, it often doesn't get dealt with the way you expect. And, and we need to quit making that. See, our way of thinking is, well, it's, there's got to be something wrong or he's not listening. It's, it's just bigger than we can often comprehend. And, and this needs to be our mindset. We have to see things differently. Always have to keep God in the equation. And you need to look past your circumstances and focus on the God who cares for you. That's what has to happen. And then God moves in those things. And God moves all sorts of ways. I, and, and it's never the same. You can't get this thing into a formula. People have tried forever to get a formula for God. There have been lots of books written on the formulas. There's been all sorts of things. If you do A and B, God always does C. I just, it never, formulas have never worked for me. I'll do A and B and God will do F. I'm like, I don't want F. I want C. That's why I did A and B. F is what I had for you. Um, and, and so... The thing that the point that's being made though is you, you need to in prayer be persistent and just because you're not getting the answers you expected or wanted, you don't give up. You keep praying and, and you need to know that as you do that your focus goes off of the circumstance and onto God. See that's that's the idea of hanging in there. Because of God because of who He is, you can trust Him. And and we need to see differently. We need to see past the way we see things to the way God sees things. This whole chapter is about changing the way we see things. The next little story in, in verses 11 through 14 is the, the prayer offered by the Pharisee and the prayer offered by the tax collector. Quite different prayers. And the Pharisee got there and the way he sees himself is as somebody who's very righteous, but it's a self-righteousness and that when he prays, God ought to do it because he's, he's who he is. He deserves it. And so he offers that horrible prayer. Wasn't it horrible? I'm, I'm glad I'm not like other men. Sinners all. Especially like this guy over here. Woo! I don't even want to be this close. I'm sure the lightning's coming down, right? And the, the, the tax collector, and I told you, and, and this is something to hang on to, it's important because it, it implies today. In the scripture, they talk about sinners and tax collectors. Right? And I always make that point with my hands. I don't know why. 
And you think, okay, um, how come tax collectors, ha- tax collectors have their own special little, you know, little thing, little label? Because they wouldn't sinners have covered it? And the answer is yes. But in every culture, there is a group labeled by the religious people as the worst of the worst. And in the time of the Pharisees, it was the tax collectors. They would much rather have murderers for dinner than tax collectors. That's how they would have done it. Because a tax collector was considered a traitor to the nation and the lowest of the low. And so they got their own special treatment by the Pharisees that was worse than sinners. And, and so when Jesus would hang out with them, the Pharisees would be, they would go, they'd be incensed because they weren't allowed... In the temples, they were, they were completely cut off of the church. And the reason that I, I keep bringing that up is every generation seems to pick a label, drop it on people, and try and dismiss them from the church when it's the, the connection with God is their only hope. And when Jesus takes someone like Matthew, who was a tax collector, and spins him around into a disciple, you need to see that there's hope for the lowest of the low who come to God. And, and that this is, is what's happening. And so here's this Pharisee who, who is self-righteous and prays this horrible prayer, which drops on flat ears, but it, to, to the world it would look like, well, that guy, he's a, you know, he's a religious guy. Certainly God's going to hear his prayer. And here's this tax collector, the lowest of low. He can't even look up to heaven. He just says, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And that's where God moves. See, the, the humble are exalted. The exalted are humbled. That's kingdom. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, when you get pride and puffed up in how well you think you're doing, the scripture actually says that you end up in opposition to God. I don't think any of us would willingly or, or, or purposely put ourselves in opposition to God, and yet pride will do it. Put you right there. Humility, though, is where the grace comes that we all need to survive. And so that self-righteous thinking that we've been talked to keeps us um, thinking like Pharisees and it keeps us from seeing God and our own hearts. See, what the Pharisees couldn't see was the, the degradation of their own hearts because they could just use people arbitrarily and didn't care about them in the process because they, they just figured they were so right that it didn't matter. And that's what we need to be careful of, that, that our, our spiritual blindness can keep us from, from seeing what really matters and from seeing our own hearts. And so uh, the tax collector has it figured out. In humility, God comes and he makes our brokenness whole. Then in Luke 18, 15 through 17, there's another story about uh, the children coming to Jesus and the disciples trying to shoo him away. Don't mess with Jesus. What are you doing? And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 bring... Uh, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. Let the, let the children come. And the point that he's making is unless you receive the kingdom like a child with that sort of faith, you can't get in. You can't get in the Pharisees' way by works and, and rules and regulations. You can't get in that way. You come the way the children do, which is in faith and wonder, in awe. And, and that, that's how you, you find your way and receive the kingdom. See, we, we look up to God... Like, like these children were doing to Jesus, and we realize that he loves us and forgives us, and then we're able to take the hand that he extends to us. And, and that's the process. And so that's how that comes about in, in what's happening. And so all these illustrations are hammering out this deal that, that we need to be able to see more clearly the way that God does. And then Luke 18 through 34 is the story of the rich young ruler. Pretty interesting story. 
the rich young ruler, and uh, there's a couple of points I want to make. Um, first off, the way a lot of people were responding to Jesus, they saw him as good, but not as God. And that's a problem. And Jesus, at some level, makes a claim for his own deity in that exchange. Um, because it's basically saying, yeah, you're right to call me good, but God's the only one that's good. That's why you can do that. But this guy doesn't get it. Um, he sees Jesus as good, but not as God. And he's got his own self-righteous thing going because he's uh, pretty amazing, really. He goes to Jesus and says, what do I need to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, okay. And he basically lists all the relation commandments, uh, you know, the ten. He lists all the, the relational ones. You know, you got to honor your mother and father, love God, love, love all these things. And pretty bold statement that he says, yeah, I've done all that since birth. Really? <laughs> okay, we'll give him that one. I don't believe it, but nonetheless, it's there. And Jesus looks at him and he cuts to the heart of the matter. And he says, okay, great. Then really all you need to do is go sell everything you got and come and follow me. Now, some people have read that verse and they thought that the, the problem was the guy's money. It's not that he had money that was the problem. It's that he cared more about the money than he did about God. Because in given the opportunity to choose to follow God or to keep his follow his money, what did he choose? Chose his money. That's the issue. See, if you choose anything over God, you've got problems. That's the heart of the matter. So he would just Jesus would just cut into the heart of the matter. And and you know, it wasn't. It's not having money that's the issue. Only if the money is more important to you than God, that's an issue. It's, it's money's not a problem. The love of money, the Bible says, is a problem. Because anything that competes for the place that God should have in our lives is an issue that we have to deal with. So Jesus was just cutting to the guy's issue. If he really wanted eternal life, he was going to have to get his focus changed. Um, and, and, you know, part of me thinks if there had just been a willingness, that would have been it. But I, I don't know. I don't know that part. There was no willingness. He said no. So he just walked away. You know, rich but dead. I mean, you know, spiritually dead, spiritually blind. No, nothing in the process. So, um, uh, we have to sort of make sure we, we get this whole process that we can't love anything more than God. And, and where the disciples really got amazed was that um, in the Jewish culture, rich people were considered blessed. They figured if you were rich, you were blessed. That's why you were rich. And for Jesus to say it's hard for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven, just mess these guys up. What do you mean? Look, what about us? We got rid of this, and he said it's not the issue, but the issue because they couldn't believe it. The issue is that that um, if if money is more important than God, they got a big issue. And then the whole thing about it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. That's like really. And I've heard that lots of different ways. And I've studied that. There's some people that say it's actually saying it's that difficult for. For this thing to happen, it's an actual camel and the eye of a needle. Other teachings I've, I've seen on the subject that in a walled city there would be an opening in the wall after hours opening that was small, and that a camel that was fully loaded couldn't get through it. You'd have to take everything off of the camel, and then you could wedge him through this little opening, and then you'd have to haul all the stuff in. So it was a it was it was a big deal. But what Jesus says next would make me think maybe it was just an illustration of a camel and the and the needle because he said with, with men it's impossible but with God it's possible see our very salvation is only possible because of God it's impossible for us to ever be good enough in our own it's impossible for us to ever be righteous enough apart 
from Jesus to make it in. And, and that's the point of the story of the kingdom. And then the whole thing ends up um, with this blind man crying out to Jesus. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, the, he's, he's crying out to Jesus and the crowd tries to quiet him down. And Jesus says, no, bring him to me. What do you want? I want to see. Okay, your faith has healed you. And, and he could see. And, and to me, it's a picture of the power of faith. See, because um, our faith and trust have to be in God. For he's the only one that can do the impossible, which is to bring us into the kingdom. But, but it's more also a closing thing about the way that we see. See, as we come in faith, crying out to the Lord, then we can see more clearly who he is. And, and we can know in seeing him more clearly that he hears us and that he answers us. Because he loves us and that he's always acting on our behalf. Always. So be persistent. Persevere in your prayer. Trust in him. Keep your faith in him because he's for you. And and understand it's about him and not about us. And that's what Luke 18 is about. All right? All right. Um, If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. I hope someone's up there to turn it off so it doesn't run on. Good. Thank you, Eddie. You can go ahead and shut that down. If you're in Williston, God bless you guys. If you're watching on the Internet and you need anything, let us know. We'll do what we can for you. Uh, We're going to go ahead and uh, do the prayer request here and call it a night.